1964 New York World's Fair, celebrating man's achievement on a shrinking globe in an expanding universe. I'm Paul Zoll, and these podcasts will be regular updates from the worlds of literature, popular culture, and the old religion, that's Bob Dylan's phrase, in relation to some of life's everyday problems, such as anger, loss, and bewilderment. Most of my podcasts will begin with a text, sometimes from a novel, I Love Possessed, sometimes from a movie, The Bride of Frankenstein, sometimes from a song, Telstar, for example, sometimes from the Bible, Perfect Love Casts Out Fear, sometimes from a TV show, Tonight's story will be a thriller. Each week, I hope to offer you something different, something entertaining, something even, well, blood-transfusing. The title of this podcast is Man Gave Names to All the Animals, and uh, the title is uh, uh, from a song written by Bob Dylan for his wonderful album entitled Slow Train Coming, Man Gave Names to All the Animals, In the Beginning, In the Beginning. But the podcast is actually about the animals, that is, the group, The Animals, that sang with Eric Burden and a terrific Newcastle-on-Tyne backup band that began in the early 60s and we know as The Animals. They sang most famously The House of the Rising Sun, also We Gotta Get Out of This Place, Don't Bring Me Down, which I personally believe is the greatest single of all time, or perhaps it's better to say it's my favorite single of all time, and I'm going to tell you why. But what this uh, podcast is about, it's about the animals, and I want to share my enthusiasm and interest and experience and history with the English Invasion group, originally Geordies from uh, northeastern England, called the Animals. I want to talk about them. I want to summarize their career. I want to tell you how great they are, how fun they are, what a, what a, a, a really fructifying and delightful interest this could be for you, for you, the living, this mesh was meant to, the animals, that is. And then I want to make a few points which we can actually learn, believe it or not, about creativity and about teamwork, and finally about... Uh, sort of the positive value of something like the phenomenon known as the animals. Well, what happened was that Eric Burden, who became a sort of world-famous figure and is still a, a very well-known and beloved figure in the lives of all sort of rock fans of the 60s and 70s, who still are alive, um, Eric Burden joined up with a group. Uh, in those days, uh, they were called skiffle bands. They were sort of homemade, what we later called garage bands, with without much in the way of instrumentation. And uh, he joined up with a, a group of guys, a, a fellow named Hilton Valentine, who's one of my favorites, who was the very um, sort of 
a passive aggressive guitar style. He gives you very few notes, um, but when he gives you a note, it's often a slashing and wonderful note, and it sort of comes out uh, without a lot of uh, Eric Clapton kind of uh, uh, pizzazz. But his guitar solos, when they're good, are very good and sometimes really laid back. That's Hilton Valentine. Uh, the bass player was named Chaz, Charles Chaz Chandler, a tall guy with red hair who I saw in person once and uh, just plays and plays and plays and never misses the basic beat and it's just what you exactly what you want. And he sort of towered over the rest of the band. A, um, uh, a, uh, a drummer named John Steele, who uh, later on became a really successful record producer and just gives you what you want. He's not Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones, who sort of electrifies you and overwhelms you with his brilliant timing and sort of core fundamental drumming, but he's just very straight, good, and gives you what's necessary. Clean, I guess is the word. And finally, Alan Price, who later became famous for doing uh, a musical called uh, Smith film with Lindy, Lindsay Anderson called Oh Lucky Man and became a figure in England and still is Alan Price, who later on formed a, a group called the Alan Price Set and who is seen in the Leacock Pennybaker film, I believe it's called Don't Look Back, uh, which was a documentary of a tour of Bob Dylan in England, a famous and controversial um, uh, tour of England that's been uh, much discussed over the years, but there's one scene in Don't Look Back where Alan Price is seen in film talking in reality to Bob Dylan, explaining that he's going on his own and leaving the animals. He was a wonderful keyboardist who gave a kind of classical music kind of organ keyboard background to the animals, sort of a, a special um, a kind of a, a, a special car there, an odd card that was very memorable, but Alan Price is seen leaving the animals and talking about his new group called the Alan Price Set, and I'll never recall, it was in France as a matter of fact, listening to the Alan Price Set's first single after he had broken with the animals, and I was upset with him, and many people were, you know how fans are, and uh, he produced this single that was actually released in France, the, the copy I had of I'll Put a Spell on You, and it is sort of classical music, uh, J.S. Bach uh, organ uh, comes together with animal-style repertoire, and it is a very unusual single, and get it on YouTube. It's very unusual and uh, uh, terrific. But in any event, these five guys, Alan Price, Chaz Chandler, Hilton Valentine, John Steele, and the lead singer Eric Burden joined up in Newcastle on Tyne to form a skiffle band, a kind of early garage band, and they had a kind of absolute love affair, as many uh, English young men did in the early 60s with American blues artists. They would get <clears throat> these imported records of people like John Lee Hooker and uh, Muddy uh, Waters and uh, Memphis Slim. And uh, sometimes these uh, African-American blues artists would go on kind of riotous tours of <laughs> English clubs and pubs. <clears throat> and this, is, this had a huge effect on later people like Clapton and so forth, but it had a gigantic effect on Eric Burden, who sort of, in his heart of hearts, wished he had been brought up and been born an African-American blues, rhythm and blues artist. We would say blues artist. So these guys had an obsession with American blues authentic uh, work. And they weren't as good, and obviously it was not their vision. But they took, uh, uh, interestingly and ironically, they took uh, uh, African-American blues records and artists' work, 
And then they, they made it their own in northeastern England in 1964. And the result was to be, to be imported to America, where they became huge. And people like me, little boys uh, listening to the animals, got converted to African-American, to black blues, through northeast England white boys who played well and had their own kind of acceptable and slightly less dis dissonant and definitely less uh, uh, more um, uh, kind of a white sound, softer sound, although a very good sound, as I explained, and so we all got into to African American blues because of Northeastern uh, English uh, Newcastle Geordie boys. So it's ironic, but that's how it worked. And let's, however, not forget the animals themselves. They produced, uh, 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 they became really a very um, hot, a local band in Newcastle at a place called the Club A Go Go. How I would have loved to see them early. And some recordings exist of early animals performing and it's rough. It has none of the recording studio polish. Uh, Hilton Valentine uh, gets more out of his guitar and is more adept. He's not holding back as obviously he must have been when that red recording light went on. And they, uh, Eric Burden is all over the place, a little bit of a James Brown type of thing, and there is in fact a recording of a concert. I think it was an early Animals recording that was done by the BBC, and you can get it on YouTube, in which these guys go nuts. They absolutely go crazy on stage, and very effectively, it's all live, and they really, really did know how to play um, this kind of somewhat softened style of blues, but with a raw energy that we just weren't used to, except for Elvis Presley, and a lot of uh, boys like me, guys like me, you know, we, we saw Elvis Presley as just too country. I mean, we the girls loved him, and we certainly listened, and initially there was a great impact, but when the Beatles came along, that was more accessible to sort of uh, white uh, young boys in America in the early 60s. Now, the animals come along. They were called the animals, because they were thought to be rather rougher and tougher and like animals, and they start recording, and they definitely had an impact. The Rolling Stones came just after, who seemed even rougher to us. Mick Jagger and Keith Richard and uh, Brian uh, Jones and Charlie Watts and uh, that wonderful bass player. What's his name? I'm sure it'll come back to me. Uh, these, uh, these, uh, these young men were even rougher and more rough-hewn. They, they uh, quickly stopped wearing little sort of um, Nehru jackets and uh, gray suits. Uh, they were the first to really just don workaday clothes, and they were a shock. But uh, between the Beatles and the Dave Clark Five and those kind of groups, and before Herman's Hermits and Freddie and the Dreamers and those kind of groups, uh, you had, um, and uh, uh, um, Fairy, Cross the Mercy, you know, that group. You have here... Um, Jerry and the Pacemakers. You have here the animals, and they are really a kind of a niche. I They appeared in uh, New York, and I wanted to go, but I was just too little. And this was their tour in connection with uh, with um, the House of the Rising Sun, which is in fact about a uh, a song about a New York, uh, uh, New Orleans uh, house of prostitution. Now, this was new. I didn't even know what that was. Uh, brother, tell your sister. Uh, it was tremendous uh, confusion. We didn't even know what they were talking about. We loved the music, and especially that kind of almost ecclesiastical organ that was so great that they put in. And uh, if you want to hear the animals, the, the real, it's, the, there are plenty of CDs and uh, downloadable animals music. It's all available. Nothing has not been released now over the years. Remember, we're talking 1964, and this is late 2010. 
But I think the best release is the Complete Animals, which uh, is an EMI double CD box, a tiny one, uh, the Complete Mickey Most Productions. Now, remember I talked about um, Joe uh, uh, Meek recently. Joe Meek was sort of the underbelly, the kind of uh, a Nazareth, not successful occasionally except by sheer chance, and then wonderfully genius successful. He was sort of the underbelly of the rock and roll recording scene of that period in London, and Mickey Most was more successful. He later on did all sorts of other supergroups I could talk about, but he one of his first great successes was he recorded dozens of songs with the animals in 1964 and 65. Let's talk about a couple of them so you can get this CD. There are all kinds of CDs available, but this is the best one, The Complete Animals. It doesn't have the late period animal songs like Don't Bring Me Down and Inside Looking Out, which I'll get to, which you can also get, but they sort of fell between the cracks. That includes also C.C. Rider, uh, this is late 60s, sort of 67, and also, what is it, uh, Help Me Girl, which is a strange, wonderful, beautifully produced, sort of more like a soul song, but it's called The Animals and has it uh, has Eric Burden really singing beautifully. And then Eric Burden got into the Summer of Love, 1967, he went to San Francisco, and he got psychedelic. Uh, that's I remember watching the Young Rascals in a college concert in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and they had obviously taken something and had changed their sound from Give Me Good Lovin' to a way uh, chest fever kind of way over-the-top psychedelic we called psychedelic sound and a fellow behind me was sort of so struck and upset and disappointed he said they've gone psychedelic which is the case but uh, that happened to Eric Burden and then the group broke up uh, in the late 60s in connection with his uh, morphing into a kind of psychedelic musician but let's talk about key animals we're talking about 19 um, oh, 1964 to 1966 creativity is very interesting and I'd like to talk about that towards the end of this podcast you it comes and goes there is is a muse that develops. There is a magic. It often is in the club a go go, the, the the Nazareth of Newcastle on Tyne, the Cavern Club in Liverpool, the Tottenham Court Road of uh, Dave Clark Five. You never know. It's usually going to come out in some very unvarnished, unexpected, and almost completely lightning eruption from nowhere. And then it's often very uh, very real, and you want to watch it and listen to it and bottle it and make money from it and enjoy it and encourage it and not put it down and not try to get it to change because it will change of its own in a proper way provided you don't interfere. Now the animals, great period, the five animals together, their great period was 64 to 66. Now to give credit where credit is due, when Alan Price left the band, as we saw in the Bob Dylan movie and went out and formed his own uh, successful, but he left the animals uh, to form the Alan Price set, a uh, keyboardist was hired named Dave Robery, who's you'll see in later videos, and he played, and I saw him perform uh, in Washington, D.C. when I saw the rest of the animals. Fortunately, uh, Hilton Valentine, Chaz Chandler, uh, and John Steele and Eric Burden were still performing together. They added David Robery 
to replace Alan Price. And then later on, they added a new drummer, whom you'll see, when John Steele got interested more in producing records, and his name was Barry Jenkins. And he's a perfectly good drummer, and he's on some of the later, but real, Animals uh, performances and some of the recordings. They start out with an amazing song, and this is roughly in chronological order, and I could talk for a solid 24 hours about the animals. This stuff is in my system. It's just my blood. You've got the same. I mean, look, something in your early adolescence hit, whether it was a movie or this or that or the other thing. It probably was a, and if you're a guy and maybe a girl, but this is common among young boys, uh, it was a rock group or a rock song. It might have been Journey later on. It could have been Slash and Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses much later on. Um, for us, there were any number of possibilities. They captured your place of adolescent beginning pubescent development and touched you. I know a guy who just is completely focused still on the Yardbirds with Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton and Keith, uh, what's his name, Ralph and uh, Samuel Smith and Chris Drea and those guys. And he, uh, the Yardbirds were very experimental and very, very important and gifted and heuristic, but they came just a tad later, and I know people who are focused on them. It all depends on where, when this music hit you for the first time, and it kind of tapped something very big and important and exploded, and that explosion has been going on, you might say, ever since. And sometimes people have a kind of arrested development. They never really move on from this, and that can be not good because obviously this is a good thing that you want to let take its own time to have an internal chemistry dynamic. By the way, I was hooked on the animals for a long time. I missed but just barely their first appearances in New York City because I was up in New York when I, they were playing at a club that often featured uh, the early British groups on their first appearance in Manhattan. I caught the animals, the original animals, with the exception of Alan Price, in Washington, D.C. I think it was in 1966, and that was a wonderful short performance at a kind of industrial expo um, uh, in a big uh, the Uline Arena or some big convention center in Washington in the late 60s. Then, later in Tübingen, Germany, when I was uh, working on an advanced degree in Tübingen, uh, uh, Eric Burden came to town. And, of course, I found out, and I was in the middle of a very tough time in my semester. I was all alone in Tübingen, and I was desperately trying to master the Hebrew language, Auf Deutsch. I was learning Hebrew in German, and it was very difficult. It would have been difficult without learning it in German, but having learned German and then immediately going on to Hebrew in German was a very, very difficult job, and I had a, a, a very big, to me, big Hebrew test uh, the following morning, and I, I went to this Eric Burden concert on a Thursday night, wouldn't you know, and I loved it. He was, he was with Rory Gallagher, a, uh, an excellent British uh, a guitarist of that period, and they had a kind of pickup band with a good guitarist and uh, with Eric Burden and they sang the old hits and it was really great and wonderful and he sort of was a little larger in girth at that point because he's quite a, a rather short man and he many years had elapsed and it was 1992 no it was let me see 1992 the spring of 92 and I loved it but I couldn't stay the whole time I wish I could have because of this Hebrew test and now looking back upon it you know I could have messed up that one Hebrew test and still passed <clears throat> uh, but instead I put that over. I had all sorts of guilts and feelings, and I, I only saw the concert for an hour and a half. And I'm really sorry now that I missed that concert with uh, Eric Burden as he sang his old hits in Tubing in Germany.
and we were right up close. It was not a very, uh, not a big stadium thing. It was more like a club, and we were right up close to him. Now, in the early days, they released a single called Boom Boom. I think it's a song by John Lee Hooker, the um, American blues artist. <clears throat> and the Boom Boom Boom, the original version, by the way, on this CD of the animals, all the original uh, uh, English complete recordings are available. They haven't been cut, because the American single, and I'm looking at a copy of the 45 right here, omits the guitar solo of Hilton Valentine. It just puts in the organ solo from Alan Price. It was afraid the song was a little bit too unhinged and a little bit too bluesy and not quite pop enough. Actually, it's a knockout, wonderful pop song. It, it sums up the early animal sound in every conceivable way. And when you listen to the original with uh, the great sliding guitar that just goes on almost effortlessly and then seeds to Alan Price's really uh, highly felt and wonderful organ um, solo. You've got uh, music that will uh, be life-affirming and the very best. They did a, uh, a, I think it was the B-side to one of their early singles called Talkin' About You. It was later released on the first American uh, Animals album, which again I'm looking at bought very, very young. I think actually my sister bought this for me and I was very grateful, ever have and am now. But uh, the single of uh, Boom Boom or House of the Rising Sun or anyway, talking about you, but in kind of a one-minute version that's not good and pathetic, listening to the original, complete version of Talking About You, 1964, it is a wonderful, rocking, long, extensive, fully blown, non-pop song, and it's just great. Then you hear Dimples, which I think was another classic blues song from someone like John Lee Hooker of that vintage, and Dimples has just got a great uh, uh, kind of a uh, punctuating uh, hi-hat use of the drums from John Steele, and Dimples has got great guitar work and is long, and that's from 1964. Let me just tell you another of the distinctive sound, and what the sound consists of is a very strong blues vocal that is definitely Eric Burden, though. He's not trying too hard. He sounds like an Englishman with a great range and a fairly deep, raspy voice, and it works. And then he has this uh, not too... Uh, um, I would call it not a uh, uh, bravado guitar, a relatively low-cal guitar, but more than George Harrison, and a good guitar when the guy gets going, and sometimes inspired, uh, but not calling attention to itself, but that's not an understatement, and uh, then that's not trying to cover like damning with faint praise. It's a good guitar. And then there's always this almost classical ecclesiastical sort of um, lighter shade of pale almost uh, organ that overlies it, plus a, a bass that just never stops, that carries you home from beginning to end, and then a solid and not showy and perhaps understated um, drummer. And the songs like Baby Let Me Take You Home, Gonna Send You Back to Walker, The Right Time... I'm in love again. I'm crying, which was released as a single after House of the Rising Sun, and I think made the top 20. Take It Easy, which recently Lloyd Fonville um, featured on Facebook from his Facebook friend Kendra Elliott. And that Take It Easy has a guitar solo that sort of feels like it was written in his sleep. It's so laid back, to use more modern lingo, and relaxed. And then, of course, Alan Price comes in, in this case, with a very uh, busy and... Uh, um, 
um, catchy uh, piano riff in Take It Easy, then I've Been Around, which is the same kind of sound, slightly ecclesiastical organ, relaxed uh, but necessary blues guitar that kind of slides in and out of the song, and a great vocal. They did a wonderful version of Memphis, Tennessee. They did a single called Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, which is a great text, but it's a slightly strange song, and I think they performed that. I think I was watching it in the Sunday night. I feel almost certain that Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood was their second performance, maybe their third, but I think their second, together with We Gotta Get Out of This Place on the Ed Sullivan Show. Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood is slightly eccentric. We Gotta Get Out of This Place is pure adolescent early 60s rage uh, and truth that was used in the Miami Vice episode later to great effect. Um, they loved Ray Charles and there are a number of Ray Charles songs in the index, but sometimes they got sort of anthemic. Sometimes they got sort of, they tried to do something not gospel or religious, but something that was even bigger. They long songs with long ecclesiastical organ and long uh, elaborated guitar solos. <clears throat> and some of these songs, the most classic one is called I Believe to My Soul. I once told two friends of mine in school that this, I couldn't listen to it because just chills went up and down my back. And uh, uh, I way overstated it. It's not that great, but I Believe to My Soul, they're trying to go for something bigger. And I think you have the same thing in a song called How You've Changed. These are both from 1965. And then in a masterpiece called Worried Life Blues, which is really very, uh, very, um, a lot of that Alan Price organ. He's, he's stretching, he's moving to something new, and he's going to either have to go to church or form his own band, which he did very soon after that. Bright Lights, Big City embodies the sound uh, that I've been describing and uh, uh, for Miss Cocker is a straight blues with a great guitar solo by Hilton and a uh, very uh, good conventional but sort of um, uh, benchmark British blues piano solo by uh, Alan Price. And finally... Um, their last single with Mickey Most, which was also, I remember the night seeing it, but it was so good. This song was on uh, on Ed Sullivan's show, too. They performed. It was their last performance, I think, on that show, and it's called It's My Life. Now, the, the lyric is pretty intense, and it's not exactly, um, it's not to his credit. It's a kind of guy who's not going to be put down, and he's going to do what he's going to do, and better get out of the way, girl. Uh, I don't think there are many women I know, uh, young women, who would be very much attracted to the message of that song, It's My Life, but the guitar sound, like chiming a bell, the bell-like guitar sound that Hilton Valentine recorded under the production of Mickey Most, who was very good, Mickey Most production made a knockout single that again reached the top 20. Now, after It's My Life, they changed producers, they changed personnel a little bit, the way I've talked, although they still had Hilton Valentine, Eric Burden, and uh, Chaz Chandler. <coughs> they uh, uh, performed, uh, they did a, 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 a blues song that in some ways is sort of their last great blues song, but it was not produced in the same uh, schedule of all the others, and it's called Inside Looking Out. Now, it's easy to get. It was released into a 45 and sort of went under because it was between producers, and for some reason, like may happen to my podcasts, Inside Looking Out kind of missed. They also did C.C. Rider, a version of C.C. Rider, which is very good, but slightly unorthodox the time. But 
Inside Looking Out is an intense, urgent song about a convict, and even though it's an African-American song about a chain gang, essentially, they capture something very... Something's going on with Eric Burton in that song. He's really feeling it. <clears throat> He's sweating. <clears throat> Bullets. <clears throat> and it comes out in Inside Looking Out. Again, these are all very easy to get now on the internet. I remember hearing that for first, and I said, oh, thank God. Thank you, Lord. I wouldn't have put it that way then. I would have said, thank you, animals, for, for going back to what you do best, but even doing it better. Now, their last great song, that is to say their last publicly successful song, in addition to Help Me Girl, which I still think is good, but was more of a Motown sound. And again, you can listen to that and judge what you think. Their last sort of big song as the Animals, and I remember buying the single in England when it first came out, I want to say the summer of 66, at the end of the summer of 66. And I have this idea that it was maybe recorded in France, but I just don't know. But in any event, it was called Don't Bring Me Down. It was their last single as the old animals. It was written by Carol King and a man named Goffin. And it's really a, a, a uh, it, it, it's Carol King, but it's the animals. And it's got a fuzz guitar. You remember, you've da, 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 da. And then this sort of fuzz, heavy reverberating guitar comes in that's really brilliant. And then the, it's got a piano solo at one point that's electrifying and surprising and short. And uh, poor um, Eric Burden is really afraid that he's going to be brought down. He is really telling you, please don't bring me down. And it has those wonderful little sort of ejaculations at the end of the song. Um, don't do it. Don't bring me down. No, you can't do this. Uh, he, uh, don't, to me, he's, uh, sort of, uh, he gets very restless and, uh, sort of, uh, angry and, uh, calls back on the song, uh, in the end of Don't Bring Me Down by, um, uh, by Carol King and Goffin, and it's a great song. To me, it's the great animal song. Just musically, it stands out. It's a perfect song. It's short. It has great sound. It's perfectly produced. It has a great short solo. It has a marvelous guitar, this reverberating guitar. Uh, the vocal is so despairing and pleading and angry, but ultimately despairing and lost and alone. And any guy who's ever, you know, it was written for a, a female voice, I believe, and I believe she sang it, actually, uh, but don't bring me down. You can do anything else to me. It's sort of like R-E-S-P-E-C-2. You can, I'll give you anything you like, but just don't put me down. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't reject me. That's the one thing I can't live without. Everything else is negotiable, but not your basic attitude towards my person. And that really comes alive, and that's the great animal song. Well, after that, Eric Burden went off to America and other places, and and one of these men, I think, became a Jehovah's Witness, but I've never been able to verify that. One of them became a producer. Alan Price did a lot of good music on his own, although a much more kind of English pub. He kind of brought a little bit of local uh, music from Geordie country up in the Northeast. And for an American sensibility, some of his music is just a little too local of a certain genre that we just don't know very well. And it's very unfamiliar. And uh, uh, the, they, they all went their separate ways, although they did, uh, they did uh, reunite twice, I think, in the 70s. And one of the reuniting albums, I think it's called before we were so rudely interrupted, is pretty good. Uh, the one thing that Eric Burden did is he got a group of Americans and some English, and he formed a group called War. He did a song called uh, 
guy pilot about a padre in the war and it's actually it's sort of it's not anti-religious as if it sounds it's really anti-war and there's a chaplain or padre who has a role who is sincere but obviously sort of misguided in blessing the soldiers as they're all going out to get killed in combat and I never when I listen to know whether to think of Gunga Din or or Wee Willie Winky you know with uh, Aubrey Smith and uh, Shirley Temple or uh, or maybe Catch-22 I'm never quite sure what I'm supposed to think of when I hear that song with all its background drama and battle music. They also produced a weird song, which I happen to really like, called Spill the Wine, which is kind of a funky song. I think he's being approached by somebody in the third world who's talking kind of kind of baby language and another language and he's sort of come kind of a leprechaun uh, kind of a satyr figure uh, Dionysius but the song sort of works spill the wine check it out it's not classic animals but it is definitely Eric Burden and then he got a hit with a song called Monterey about the famous Monterey sort of pre-Woodstock festival and that's a that's a pretty good song but it's uh, tries to imitate songs that they don't really have the musicianship to do and then there's the song, oh, I can just tell you, there are a whole bunch of them. I could list them for you out of my memory, but that's not important. The Animals had two great years, and then a little bit of creativity that came out, because these were very talented young men, all of them, and each of them went on to do something, although I think Hilton Valentine probably sort of was the most, uh, sort of after this moment of fun in the sun and made in the shade and human fame, I think he kind of retired and basically kind of uh, renounced the world in some form or for whatever reason, in the late 60s and early 70s. I don't know the details on that one, but <clears throat> these were very talented young men. But their key moments, as I've talked, was sort of from boom, boom in 1964 to uh, It's My Life in 1965, but uh, recorded then, but really, uh, really still alive in 66. They were still, um, uh, especially the song uh, um, Don't Bring Me Down and uh, inside looking out and C.C. Ryder we're talking about in 66. Um, so what do we want to say about the animals? What is it worth saying in a podcast, PZ's podcast? Well, first I want to just to share with you my in-depth, lifelong years of enthusiasm that was actually met and climaxed with actually seeing them perform in concert and then much later seeing uh, Eric Burden and thinking about the animals. They're in my bloodstream from a, you're in my heart, you're in your mind, you're in my, remember Rod Stewart, they're deep there. I will never be not part of the animals, even though I've never met them. They don't know that. They don't need to know that. They, whoever they are, but the animals of the mind. By the way, they even did a, they even did a television show with Cyril Richard based on Peter and the Wolf, of all things, in which they played a kind of little, they had a walk-on role in a television show about Peter and the Wolf with Cyril Richard, I think, as the big bad wolf for Little Red Riding Hood. That's it. Little Red Riding Hood, uh, kind of a Christmas special, and they sang a song, We're Gonna Howl Tonight, and uh, they kind of just sort of put the song together uh, for this uh, TV show that was recorded somewhat more or less live uh, right around this period of 65, 66, and their song, and you can YouTube it, We're Gonna Howl Tonight with the animals playing the kind of bad wolves, the kind of 
kind of uh, kind of uh, Ewoks of the show. Uh, it's very good. There's a great guitar solo that kind of um, Hilton Valentine just suddenly, all of a sudden, bang, he has this wonderful guitar solo with Cyril Richard on uh, American uh, television, purely on old videotape. But check that one out. But they had a tremendous impact on uh, people like me, and their music has never died. You hear it all the time, House of the Rising Sun, we got to get out of this place. Um, don't let me be misunderstood. It's my life, especially uh, Don't Bring Me Down. You all hear these songs in advertisements and in, uh, in movies, and in, uh, they, they have a kind of um, a hook in you that once you hear them, even if you're 15 years old in 2010, you'll remember them because they're catchy, uh, and they were very catchily produced. Now, what do I want to say about this? Well, I just want to say a couple things. First, um, uh, when um, you succeed, uh, stay close to your material. Uh, it'll change of its own because you're in, always in artistic uh, transformation and human beings are always developing. But stay with what you do best. Uh, let it develop, but don't uh, immediately think you have to... It's, I admire you if you want to do new things. And if it comes, naturally do it. But if you have somebody telling you you ought to do something new just for some money-making scheme, don't do it. Please don't do it. That song by the band, remember, don't do it. Uh, stay close to the material which originally riveted you and created you and interested you. It's not out of commercial expediency, but stay close to the material because that's where that's what got you going. It's just like in a marriage. Go back to where you began. Inevitably, most marriages began with some kind of swooping physical moment of chemistry, some first night together, some love affair, some instant uh, kiss that immediately laid the foundation to, to what it is. And if you get too far away from, from what made your marriage, which was usually some kind of chemistry, some kind of psycholibidinal attachment that developed often surprisingly and almost out of nowhere, and yet it was the thing, or maybe it wasn't out of nowhere, but when it happened, it was better than you ever thought. Stay close to, to what, go back if you don't know where you are, you're confused in your life or your ministry or your work, go back to where you all started. Go back to where you began, especially with relationship, with anybody, especially in marriage or male-female things. Go back to, because that, if you can get in touch with that, the spark. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. That's how it is with, you know, go to what it was in religion, what it was in love, what it was, love, what it was in anything. Stay close to what, be, it be, to what began it. That will always be the renewing spark that you'll be amazed how when you do that, even if you've been with somebody for 20 or 30 years or married as I have, Lord knows, Mary and I have been married 36 years, go back to the spark that got it all going. Well, similarly with the animals. Inside looking out tells you that when they stayed close to the original thing that had gotten them excited in the first place, which was African-American imported records of the blues in their own way, doctored, transformed, uh, chemically processed, stay close to that, and you'll always be where you need to be. And that's where the animals did best, and it, it served them right up to the end until, for various reasons, they just split apart personally. Keep the team together as long as you can. 
keep the team. In my own life, there have been a couple of moments, there have been three or four, when I was able to bring together, or I was in a team, in this case it would have been in the ministry, or sometimes in education, but usually in the ministry. If you have a team of people with whom you gel, with whom you understand, who they understand you, and you have a kind of common electrical personal understanding of how you work, keep the team together at all costs. This would have been very much true as what we, what did we used to call it at the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama? We sort of got to a point where the clergy team was a kind of dream team. Everybody liked each other. We all worked together, and though there always are little problems that you rub up against each other, and there always are some arguments, and sometimes even an explosion, you can, in fact, get together a team of five or six people who basically work. And when you have a team like that, do everything you can to hold on to it. Never be uh, get the idea, oh, he wants to move off on his own, or you know, uh, Don Johnson really wants to go on his own show and leave Miami Vice. If he does it, you've lost Miami Vice. If the team is broken up, the institution you're serving will never recover. I mean, it may at some point get another team, but it probably won't for many, many years. If you have a team of people, whether it's in a church environment, in an institutional environment, in a school, in a uh, in a marriage, in a uh, in a bowling uh, team after uh, 7.30 at the bowling league, uh, if it's a baseball team, if it's a group of journalists, if it's a, um, a brain trust of any kind, if you gel with a small group of people, at all costs, try to keep it together. Now, you won't be able to keep it together forever. Maximum three to five years. I would say the outside is five. If you can ever keep a team together longer than five years, you'll be breaking the odds totally. But if you can just keep it together for more than two, every uh, minute that you have that is more than two will come back to you richly. So that's the second thing. Stay close to the material that originally excited you and got you going. Keep the team together. And uh, finally, uh, when it comes to the animals at least, just accept the material on its own terms. I'm not here to make some kind of connection between the music of Eric Burden, Chaz Chandler, Hilton Valentine, John Steele, and uh, uh, Alan Price, together with David Robery later and Barry Jenkins. I'm not, and Mickey Most, and uh, the other pop people who produced it. I'm not here to uh, to uh, to to somehow make a big thing out of this. They weren't religious. They were secular. That's not even the right. Were they even that? That's they were just young boys who were in sort of late adolescence, having a blast with something they loved to do, and they happened to have some real musical gifts. And these gifts showed in a wonderful body of music that was put out in a very short period of time, right out of their skins, out of their chemistry, out of their innards, out of their brains and hearts and their flesh. It just came out, and it was fantastic. And uh, this music is good. I listen to it still to this day. And it's better than ever. I mean, some of it, a couple of times, Alan Price's piano uh, uh, soul songs, especially on the Ray Charles, like Hallelujah, I Just Love Her So, or, or um, oh, there's another one. Um, that I remember of theirs that, that is a little bit lame. I'm crying, doesn't really hold up in my opinion, and um, occasionally uh, the drumming is a little bit weak, and there's no question that the guitar, somehow you just want a little bit more of a of a versatile hand there, a bravura style. He didn't have it, but on many occasions he did. And there must be at least 25 animal songs where there is complete success, culminating, oddly enough, with not the complete equipe, 
but Mannschaft, but almost the complete equipe, the original vision comes out in the Carol King Goffin song, Don't Bring Me Down. That's the final 1966. So uh, hold on to this. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, you may have the equivalent, and I want to bless it. I mean, if you're totally into Journey, uh, or God forbid, or, or or you're a wonderful person, or if you are totally into uh, what, whatever it is, the Jay Giles Band. I mean, you can you can spend years just loving and getting something something out of the early period and the middle period of the Jay Giles Band. I mean, there's all sorts of uh, treasures hidden in these places, and it's not specifically going to do anybody any moral good or transformative good or do anything at all, but it's fun. It makes life better. I hope you have something, as I was given through no fault of my own, uh, the... Uh, the gift of, of Eric Burden and the animals, simply known as the animals between 1964 and 1966. If you have something, and it could be take a very different form in your life. It could be needlepoint. It could be a, a, a symphony that struck you. It could be a musical instrument that you learned how to play. It could be a book that Jane Austen, I mean, believe me, the the possibilities are as rich as there are possibilities, and that means there are hundreds of thousands well, let's say many thousands of possibilities here. Uh, clog dancing, you know, rivered. I mean, Irish things, being interested in Swedish culture. I mean, go down the list, cooking, but Rachel Ray. But what it is, is a wonderful thing, and it will enrich your life. And let's thank God for giving us something as wonderful and ineluctably great as the animals. Thank you so very, very much, and God bless you. Thank you.